Hey, New Life Church, the state of Arkansas, people all over the world. We have some that are at military bases and maybe uh, some that are in prison. We hear about that. We have some that are more captive, like they can't drive right now. Maybe the car doesn't work, or maybe you're in a nursing home, or maybe you just don't want to go back into a building to have church yet. So you've chosen a digital campus, and we welcome you here with all of our heart. In fact, if you don't mind, let us know where you're tuning in right now. You can put it in the chat. Uh, it helps us pastor better to know where people are. The topic of today, because we're going to study His Word, and we're going to worship, but the topic of today is attention in the hands of God. So many of us are dealing with huge amounts of tension, way more than in common seasons of our life. And then that tension a lot of times turns into rage. When I think about that, it's like uh, uncontrolled tension. So maybe you're at a place now where it's uncontrollable, uh, which means it can be like a subject. Tension is like this. It's like when a subject happens, there's just too much craze, too much lively interest. Like there's just too much tension to deal with an issue. And so you're in the flesh. That's what the Bible would call it. And then this tension, it speaks out with heightened emotion to people you love. And they can feel the effects of that. It kills all the momentum in the room. It doesn't destroy the Holy Spirit. Although he's a gentleman, um, he still will work with you. But not if you don't invite him in. So that's really what I want to talk to you about today. Because the tension, it starts in you, it ends up in other people, and then you struggle in your relationship with the Lord. You stop going to the Lord in prayer, you stop worshiping. So right now, what I want us all to do is to take a moment and worship the Lord. That tension you might be carrying, the weight of all that, take it off and put it at the feet of the Lord. Um, if you don't know the Lord, that might sound strange to you. So what you could do is just listen to the lyrics of these songs and just think about the Lord. Ponder on Him. He loves you and He'll show you that if you give Him some worship. So let's worship God. Jesus. 
okay, everybody, that's worship. I don't know if you engaged with it because maybe you have kids running around. Uh, maybe it was difficult, but if you could connect with the Lord, it changes lives. I know sometimes my heart gets really hard and, and I have so much I need to do and I don't have time for worship. And But when I give it time, I never regret it, especially when I have tension. So sometimes, here's what I've noticed. Sometimes our tension will bring us closer to the Lord. And sometimes the tension brings us away from God. I remember when I fell in love with Michelle. And uh, it was a great season, but I was very intimidated about marriage. There was a lot of tension around that. She had the same tension. So we just ended the relationship trying to get away from the tension. Well, it was three or four months after that that I started missing her. And my mom, she saw a picture with my wife and another college schoolboy, some weird dude who was slightly handsome. Let's just go with that. But he's on a picture or in a picture with my wife on front of a magazine and my mom had the audacity to put that magazine on our coffee table so I would see it. My mom can work it. And I saw it. And it created tension. I said, Mom, what's this? She goes, I don't know. It's a picture of Michelle with some other guy. So I turned the magazine upside down. And I walked away. When I came back into the room, my mom had flipped it back. And I'm looking at this picture again. Well, what this new tension did is it had me call Michelle. What if I would have never called Michelle? I called her in a moment of tension. Sometimes tension causes us to want to turn things over and leave it there. Sometimes it makes us make the right calls to the Lord's will. I just want to tell you, the Lord's will is always worth it. So this week, I have seen this outplay. This week, I saw a man's wife die, and he was under a lot of tension. But he called on the Lord and others. And this brother is being encouraged by the Lord. I wish I could talk more about it, but I want to leave his name private. He's dealing with this tension with God. Uh, this week, there was a man in our church who was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, he's calling upon God. He seems strong. And I'm thankful for that. But this week, I know of a man who lost his marriage. At least it's extremely weak right now. And he's running to pornography to another relationship. I know another lady who has a lot of tension in her home and she's running to alcohol and drugs. How are you dealing with tension? Are you bringing it over to the Lord or are you running away from him? So here's what I've noticed, that most of the tension that comes to our life, it comes from people that we love the most. It doesn't come from our enemies. Sometimes it does, but not generally speaking. And with that in mind, David said in Psalms 55, look at this incredible, verse 12. We'll read in the NLT. It says, it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we enjoy as we walk together in the house of God. Basically, he's talking about somebody close by. We don't know who it is. We don't know if he's talking about his spouse. He says a good friend. He says a companion. He's using words that do not identify who it is. Uh, but it's somebody close to him. It could be his son. It could have been Absalom. I don't know the chronological order. Um, maybe we could look that up. 
It could be someone that he appointed to be a governing authority uh, who was more lateral with him. But whoever it was, it was someone he trusted. And now all of a sudden they're hurting him. It's the people that are close to us who can hurt us the most. Uh, You can see a lot of tension in the world today, more so than at any other time. And when I look at this tension, here's what I've seen. When people get hurt, they say mean things. I've had it happen to me a little bit. Not that much, but I've had it happen. And here's what I've noticed, that if I carry that tension and I hold ought against someone, it could hurt our relationship. I don't know if David was able to settle this, but if he didn't, this person was no longer close to him. So I'm not saying every time someone hurts you that you should trust them again right away, but I am saying that tension will keep the relationship from being healed. So have you ever said something to someone else that you love during tension when you were hurt? Have you ever said something to someone you didn't even mean? Yes, you have. So I find uh, that it's going to happen to me as well. If I'm going to do it, I have to assume that others do. If the Word is going to talk about it a lot, I have to assume that others will do it, and I will as well. So if you're at a place where you're hurting others now, what are you doing with it? Are you going to the Lord like David tries to teach later on? Or are you just running somewhere in your own space trying to deal with it yourself? So I want to go to the Word to learn about that. But if you're taking notes, and I recommend that you do, the first thing I would like you to know, what not to do when you have tension. Number one, don't ignore it. I love to talk about hate language. There's a book called Love Languages. Hate language is like when you're in times of tension that you go to these, these uh, normal uh, tendencies, these traits. For example, if you're in a place of tension, you might yell at someone. Uh, you, you may cuss them out. Uh, you may push over a table. Maybe you lose your temper. You might put a wall up. So you're still in the room with them, but you're not. You might run away, get in your car and drive away. All of these are results of tension that keep the Holy Spirit out of sight, like he just can't be involved in this. None of these work. So I was thinking about this, that when we live that way, um, it's sort of like a fake way to live. Uh, Because a lot of times you're diverting the tension to something else. It's like a baseball player. Have you ever watched baseball? It's back, by the way, without fans, but the sport is back on. But have you ever seen a baseball player get hit with a baseball? Do they go, oh, (laughs) no, it's not how you play the game. You got to act like you didn't get hit. And you know sometimes it's just hurting him so bad. But you got to have the game face. Not really sure why, but that's the way they do it. It's fine for baseball. In life, it'll kill you. If you don't have a place where you can be real. And what it leads to is flat-out denial. I don't have a problem. I am not hurting. As a pastor, I've heard that a lot. I'm good. But really, you don't look so good. You look terrible. You look hurt to me. Your countenance looks like you're hurting in a desperate way. And so I've seen people who wear their feelings on their sleeve. And I just want to be clear. I don't really like talking about feelings much. It's not really the way that I'm wired. Uh, but sometimes you got to go there because we, we do have a real emotion. So some people wear their feelings on their sleeve and, and they drive me crazy. Like they're just all, all drama all the time. I have a little trouble with that flow. But some people, they hide their feelings. And so my question is, which one is healthier? I think the healthiest one is the one who brings their attention to the Lord, not to a sleeve, not a hidden maneuver. 
uh, either one of those. Uh, like that stupid game we played in school in, in junior high where you trade licks, like some, you hit somebody hard as you can and they hit you. I love that game. I don't know why, because I'm not good with pain. But I won it a lot, because I would just want to win. And here I was just hurting so bad, acting like, don't even hurt. I just couldn't. I would go home in like so much pain. So who lost that game? We all did. It's a stupid way to do life. And many of us, this is the way we do life with our attention. So people say that time heals all wounds. But I just want to be clear. Time makes it worse. It's the altar of God that makes it better. So a question I ask sometimes at church is, do you have any issues? Like I'll ask the church, so raise your hand if you have an issue. I'm asking all of you, raise your hand if you have an issue. If you have any issue. Because here's the truth. If you don't have an issue, that's your issue. You're just hiding all your issues. You got them, man. You got them. But you're just hiding so in Psalms 39, verse 2, he said, I kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. Time doesn't heal. I became very angry inside. And as I thought about it, my anger burned. Like if you have a medical problem and you, you don't go to the doctor because you're afraid of it or you just don't want to walk in there and, and hear any bad news... Does that just make the problem better? No, it makes it worse. Number two, don't run from it. Uh, this is when you're timid and weak, and it's a, it's a horrible approach to, to run away. I, I defer to that a little bit in a minute. But there are times to retreat, but this is not it. You don't, you don't face things. like You don't look eye to eye uh, and tell the truth about what's really going on. Uh, I remember David's pain when I was studying this, and he was hurt through the whole book of Psalms, uh, chapter 55. He was betrayed by, by this jerk in, in his life. And, uh, but clearly, he, he wasn't just trying to get past it. He wanted to deal with it. So in verse 6, he says, I wish I had wings like a dove. Then I'd fly away and rest. I would hurry to my place of escape. Like, I wish there was a way out of this. But later on, we're going to see that he knows that there's not a way out. Uh, recently, I was on a jet ski, and I went around this curve out by Greer's Ferry Lake, and there was a bald eagle that I surprised because I was going so fast around this turn. He might have heard me, but he didn't see me. And when he did, he started flying. He was only like five feet above my head, and... It was amazing to me the strength in that bird and, and the way that he, he flew so fast. It was intimidating. I, I was thinking, man, if he wanted to mess me up, he could mess me up. But he got away from me so fast. I turned around. I took a picture. By the time I took a picture of him, I have the picture, but he's, he's so far away in a tree. It was just no way for me to get a good picture. Uh, this is the way that we like to live our life. We just want to fly away. Just get away. All human nature tries to escape. But the Holy Spirit wants to deal with things up close and personal. Another thing is don't hide your hurt. These type of people, they, they don't tell anybody. They wear masks. Uh, we're all wearing masks right now, but they do it with, the, with their soul to protect their soul. And, uh, and some of you are quite good at it. The Lord did something incredible with Jacob. You can go and read the story later. Uh, but Jacob, man, he, his heart was not right. And then one day he had an encounter with the Lord when he got real with God. He took his mask off, not in church, but right there with God. And he said, Lord, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I'm a deceiver. I'm a fraud. I fake everything. And then the Lord said, okay, now 
we can do something. Now let's go. So sometimes when I'm counseling people, I can see maybe it's the man or the woman. Let's go with the man for now. I can see that he's hurt. But he's not acting hurt. He's acting mad. So I'll, I'll just say to him, say, how did it feel? I don't use that word much, but every now and then I'll go there. How did it feel when she did that? Made me so mad. I'll tell you that right now. I, I know it made you mad, So, I, but how did that feel, that anger? And where was it coming from? Well, it was coming from a place of I was mad. <laughs> you know, I just want to go there. Well, why were you mad? Because she ticked me off. That's why. But why were you ticked off? Because it hurt me. Okay. Game on now. Why did it hurt you? Because I love her. All right. Now we're going somewhere. And this is just how the Holy Spirit deals with our life. And we just don't want to look in the truth of it. I've done something for years when we eat food and, uh, for example, if I have a little ketchup on my, my face, because I love ketchup. I'm not a mustard guy. If you like mustard, whatever, you should, you should change. Ketchup's way better. But if I have a little ketchup on my face, she'll go, you have a little ketchup, I'll put my finger right in the middle of the ketchup and just <laughs> draw it right on my face. I don't know why I do that, but everybody in the family laughs and then they take pictures and it's Instagram. It's really weird. But what I want to say about that is that if you do not look in the mirror and get honest, we still see the stain, the problem, but you don't. And the blind spots, they can put you in places that you don't have to live. There's nothing worse, really, than to to have a problem and everyone in the room knows about it but you because you will not go there. Speaking of tension, that's tension. In Psalms 32 verse 4, it says, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. When you hide the hurt, it, it only intensifies. And then in James 5.16, to coincide with all of this, he says, confess your faults one to another. Like you got to admit something and that you may be healed. And then the last one is don't rescind it. In Job chapter 18 and verse 4, it says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Bitterness. It hurts you far more than it hurts everyone else. And so when there's tension and then it bleeds over into bitterness and then you're walking around and this, I've always said that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. It's so true. Like you think, I'm just getting them back. But it's destroying you and creating tension that you don't have to have. The poison's killing you. So to answer this, this whole dilemma on tension, and since I want you so desperately to bring it to God, let's go to David, since that's where we were, but let's go to Psalms 23 and see how he changed the pattern of this. And I'll read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
all right? For just a few minutes, I want to break this down. First thing that we can see is refuse a spirit of discouragement. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say when I run through it. It's when I walk. Man, you're going to run if you have a lot of tension. But when you know the Lord is with you, you slow down and you walk right through it. We should always respond because this is what it's basically saying. It's, it's teaching us to respond with the opposite spirit of the flesh or of the world. The epistles in the New Testament are all about that. When you're going through a difficult time, rejoice. When your enemy is against you, pray for them. The word is always teaching to respond with the opposite spirit of the world. Right now, the world is dominating on how we should respond to everything. And I just want to remind you that we are believers and we are different. And if we act like the world, it's just going to create more tension on top of unnecessary pain. So when you walk through tough times, Rejoice is sort of like a faith statement. Uh, there's some grit in this. It's like you have to have tenacity uh, and you certainly can't have fear uh, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you, have you ever seen uh, the Discovery Channel of a lion? I mean, if they're running, look behind them and see who's chasing the lion. Like if you find that clip, show it to me. The lion is running because he's afraid. No, the lion is running. He's chasing. He's never afraid. So back to your God. The scripture does not say that you can go around the valley. It does not say that you can go under the valley. It does not say that we can go over the valley. Recently, I was playing golf with a guy, and he hit the ball so high. The wind was blowing a lot that day, and it was right at us, and he hit the ball so high. I said, what are you trying to do? Hit the ball over the wind? <laughs> I mean, is this what we're trying to do? Well, it would be ridiculous to try to go over the valley. And then also, you can only go through the valley if you're walking through the valley. You're not going to do that if you fear evil. Number two, remember Jesus never leaves me. David said, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God not only promises us his, his power, but he promises to be there, to be available, to be with you. We don't have to go through life all alone. You will never go through one dark day of your life all alone. It might seem like it, but he is right there with us. And Isaiah says, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they threw three of them in this fire, and they looked in there later on, and they said, hey, we threw three in there. There's four in there. Who's the fourth one? It's like unto the Son of God. Who's the fourth one? It's the Lord. He's with you. And not one hair on their head, head was singed. The only thing that was broken and burned was the ropes that were tangling them down. That's your God. And then in Psalms 23, there's a strategic change in language. And uh, the first part, he's using all pronouns in the third person. Go and read it. You will see he talks about God like he leads me. He, 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 he guides me. He restores me. But then in verse 4, David changes. And he puts God in the second person. And he just brings it really close and personal. And David is talking 
to God and not just about God. He changes it. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they guide me. You are this. At some point when you're dealing with tension, learning a little bit more about God is not going to do it. You're going to have to learn that he's with you. Like building your relationship. It's not just about him. It's what you've learned about your relationship in him. In one place in the Bible, it talks about the secret place of the Most High. Do you know those secrets? Like, do you have that kind of a relationship with him? And then the last thing, let Jesus heal me. He says, you anoint my head with oil. I was studying this week just to close out. A David was a shepherd, shepherd boy. In fact, when the prophet showed up to find out who was king in the house of Jesse, um, David didn't even make the cut. His dad brought out everybody, but didn't even bring out David. So the prophet's just going along, going, We're, you know, I don't know who it is. It's not that guy. It's not him. Not that. He goes, do you have any more kids? He goes, yeah, I got one out back. He's just a shepherd boy. He goes, well, go and get him. And then it was told to him, You're, you are the one. Okay. He learned a lot as a shepherd. We learn a lot as a sheep because he is a good shepherd. I was reading about some of the sheep in that area that their biggest enemy is flies in the summertime because what they do is they get up into the nostril of the sheep and they lay eggs. I know it's gross, but just hang in there. And the larva actually starts irritating them so much and they can't get it out, no matter what they do. Their tail can't get it out, their hooves can't get it out. So they go and just beat their heads up against rocks, just going crazy. So the shepherd shows up and takes a little bit of oil and puts it to the nostrils and then it heals them. And then when they're beating their head up against that rock, the shepherd also takes that oil and applies it to the wounds that the tension created. And this is what your God will want to do with you. He's like, look, stop beating your head up against rocks. Come over here. I want to anoint you. I just got to get close to do it. Stop running. Give me a chance. I love you. This is what you learn in worship. This is what you can learn in prayer. This is what we're learning from the word. And I promise you any other pattern is going to fail. So let's go back to the Lord and worship before we pray together.
I love Abe. The way he leads worship in that song, Still, it's like I become still in the presence of God when I hear it. And I think it has a lot to do with the way the song is written, a whole lot to do with the Holy Spirit, but something to do with Abe. And speaking of Abe, he's married to Sierra, and they have a beautiful family, and they've been extremely faithful to this church. And they're going to Columbus. My dear friend, Neil Greathouse, Neil and Gina, are going to plant a church there uh, eventually. And this is going to be their worship leader. And so we have gifted that church one of our best. And I expect the Lord to pay us dividends forever because he's anointed and we're going to miss him. We had a going away party for him this week and uh, for he and Sierra. And it was sad. Uh, but I thought it was great to have him lead us today. Thank you, Abe, if you're listening in, you and Sierra. God bless you for that, for all the years. You're a good brother. Uh, I know some of you are struggling with your faith. Maybe you have wandered away from your faith. Some of you have never met Christ. You've never met the Lord. I remember the day that I did, 1981, Super Bowl Sunday. You could remember today. How's it going in your faith? Do you know the Lord? If you died today, are you ready to meet the Lord? How many times did Billy Graham ask that question? How many times did people say, I want to meet the Lord with Billy Graham? Uh, we haven't had those kinds of results as a church, but every weekend through the years, we've had 40, 50, 60, 100, Sometimes a thousand decisions in one week for the Lord. But I don't care if it's just one. If you don't know the Lord, I just want you to consider giving your life to Christ. I can't make you do that, and I'm not going to beg you to do it. But I believe that there are times where the Holy Spirit just moves inside of us, and then we crave it. Do you crave it? So I'm going to say a prayer for everybody. I want to ask you all to bow your heads. and I'm going to pray for, for the sinners, which is all of us, and the backslidden, which might be you. Those who have never met Jesus might be you. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for being with us. We need your presence in our lives. Lord, we get into so many places that we don't have to be because we wandered away from your name. We're all sinners. We feel like Paul, that we're the chief of sinners. Many of us, 
we just feel so undeserved uh, in our relationship with you. We don't feel like we deserve a relationship with you. And Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sin. I thank you for the way that you died on the cross and the way you were buried and you rose from the dead and the way you exemplified uh, so many things during those three years of ministry and even with your Holy Spirit now. Thank you for gifting us uh, your name, your word, your grace, your spirit, heaven, the church. So we repent of our sins and we confess with our mouth that you are Lord. Would you move into our lives? We're so sorry, Lord, for all the mistakes that we've made, for the sin that only you can forgive. Thank you, Lord God. For the rest of our lives, we want to serve you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that never gets old. Um, I'll tell you something else I enjoy doing is baptism when we baptize people and we're still doing that at places and places. So stay tuned. We'll give you direction on that in the next few weeks. Some of you are meeting digitally because you're afraid to go back into a church. Uh, and I get that. And I think you have to make this decision on your own. But I will say, I don't know of a church that has studied this more than us and is more prepared. There's probably people as prepared, but we have put in our time. The way that we get the buildings ready, the way that we interact with one another in social distancing. And it, we're not great at social distancing. We don't know how to do that. We're a church, but we're doing it anyway. And the way that we're wearing masks and and so I just wanted to give you a taste of that, uh, just one little portion of what we do to get the next service ready. Good morning, New Life Church. My name is John, and I help oversee some of the operational stuff for our New Life Church campuses here in Arkansas. And one of the things that I help oversee is the safety of the people coming to our building and the safety of people who work for New Life Church. Safety is one of the top things as a church that we look at to help that people feel comfortable coming in and out of our church. And right now in that season that we're in with COVID-19, that's very, very important. I'm gonna talk about just a couple of things that we're doing as a church to make this feel like a home and safe and welcome environment going forward. And one of the things that we do is before we start services on the weekend, we check and see if has anyone had COVID or been exposed to COVID-19 throughout all of our campuses. If we do have someone that tests positive for COVID. We'll at least shut the building down for 24 hours and we bring in a professional cleaning company. They come in and clean. They do a fogger and a mist that kills any virus that's in the air and on surface. That's right. It's not done by New Life Church staff, but a professional company comes in and do it. But going into our weekends for service around the state, we have many teams that have been trained into how to clean the building properly and the, the precise chemicals to use to make sure that the building is sterilized from head to toe before you guys come in to serve on the weekends. We have a guru that comes in very early and they spray and wipe down any and every surface that you would come in contact with as you're coming into the building. They spray your seats down, they write the armrests down, they, they wipe the handles as you're coming in the door. You actually really don't have to touch anything when you're coming to our buildings now, but if you do, it's been clean and sterilized. So if you're wondering, hey, if I came to church this weekend, will it be safe? Will it be clean? Yes, it will, because you guys are important to us, your families are important to us, and your safety is one of the utmost things that we're concerned and looking out for. So yes, our buildings are clean and our buildings are taken care of. That's John Boyd, that's my friend. I love that brother. Maybe I shouldn't tell you this right now, but I think it'll be fine with John because we prayed for his mom earlier in the week. Uh, his mom lives in another state on the East Coast. And, uh, and she was recently diagnosed with COVID. And so that's another reason why John worked so hard to get every room right and to train all of our campuses. And We're doing our part, but I wanna ask for you to also pray for John's mom 
And that's a good place for us to, to pray. Also want to let you know that the faithfulness of the people giving. Last weekend I said something to all of you. I said it would be embarrassing if we had the type of church that if we closed down, no one would even notice. And I'm gonna tell you, right now people would notice. And I think it has a lot to do with the faithfulness. People are just still being faithful. If you go to another church, be faithful at that church. Uh, but if you're a part of our church, I ran into someone, I can't remember all the details, but he was saying when I said that last week that he, he gave for the first time, he said it was just so cool to be a part of a church that cares. And I get that because we didn't come here to plant a church that didn't care. So I wanna thank you for your faithfulness and let's all do our part. Even if you have to start small, let's, let's do something. You wouldn't go to a restaurant and eat and just walk out without being thankful for the service that you have. Well, look what the Lord has done for us. So let's be thankful in our giving and not just in other places. So I want to thank you for that. And every week we've been praying for people and doing a prayer blessing over all of you. And, and I think he's a good God and I think he cares about things that you're going through. So. I want to ask you wherever you are, just to bow your heads and maybe you can open your hands. Uh, you might be driving, so pay attention to the road, but I'll lead us in prayer. You receive. Lord, I thank you for the words that we talked about this day. Tension, the way that you want to be there with us. We don't have to fear evil. We don't have to be like the world. Uh, we can be close to you and you care about the, the places of tension. So Lord, I ask that you move right into the center of our homes, wherever we may live, in the center of our careers, the relationships that we have. Lord, I ask that you bless us. And Lord, when we think about the blessing, maybe some think about finances, but I don't really. I think about being more like you and being people who lead better, people who accomplish more, people who get ideas from you, people who read your word and, and you remind them of things. Lord, I pray that your face will shine upon us and that we'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, like your word says. Pray that we'll be lenders and not borrowers. Lord, I pray that you'll give us wisdom on how to get out of debt or how to have divine health and how to be good parents and, and how to find the right spouse for those that are single out there. You know our needs. You know our prayer list. You know our to-do list. So I ask God that you bless us as you move right into the center of everything we want to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining in. If you ever get a chance to go to a building, uh, this would be a good time to try it. Otherwise, we're right here. God bless you.